Welcome to the Every Nation Dorado Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. So our eternity is, is set, okay? We bow our knee, we repent to Jesus Christ, our eternity is set. But what about the present reality? What about the year and the now? Yes, heaven is great, it's going to be good, I can't wait to get there. But what about what it is that I'm facing right now, my present reality? What does grace have to say about that? And that is what we'll be talking about, sanctifying grace. But to butter you up, let's go into a little children's story. So that's Hermie and Wormie, okay? So Hermie is the green guy and Wormie is the, is the beige-looking guy, right? And Hermie and Wormie is a story by Max Lucado. And it's a story that I really love. So it's a story that I read to my kids, and um, I don't know if they like it as much as me, but I think it's awesome, right? So Hermie is what you would call a common caterpillar. He's dull, he's ugly, he slithers around on the ground, he's nothing special. And Hermie is like many of us, because Hermie suffers from what, Peter, what Paul talks about in 2 Corinthians 10 verse 12 when he says, they compare themselves amongst themselves. It's the disease of comparitis, right? So Hermes crawling around, and as he crawls around, he bumps into the ant. And he's like, whoa, dude, you're so strong. I wish I was strong. And then he bumps into the snail. And he's like, dude, you've got a house. When it rains, like, you couldn't be bothered. You just, like, retract and you're in your house. That's amazing. I wish, oh, I wish that I had a house like that. And then he bumps into the ladybug and he's like, wow, you're so beautiful. Look at your spots. I'm so plain. I'm so ugly. And then Hermie, he does something special, though, right? So Hermie has a relationship with his creator. And so he prays and he takes his complaints to God and he talks to God. Yeah, it's a lot of moaning. He moans and moans and moans, but he also listens. And when he listens, God says to him, Hermie, I'm not finished with you yet. And before you know it, he gets very, very tired. He falls asleep. And when he wakes up, he's a beautiful butterfly. And he can fly away, right? And now he's above it all, above all those problems that were holding him back, right? That is Hermes' story. And that is sanctifying grace, essentially, right? Sanctifying grace is the process of sanctification. It's the process of becoming holy. It's the process of becoming more and more and more like Jesus. But what's different about sanctifying grace versus abundant grace and the justifying grace that we preached about over the last two weeks is that sanctifying grace requires your action. Far more action. Far more doing than justifying grace. Justifying grace, it needs a bit of action. It needs you to come to Christ and say, Lord, thank you for this. I appropriate it. I take it. It's mine. I submit that I am right in your sight, and I accept it. But that's it. Sanctifying grace is a process. Sanctifying grace is a daily. It's a daily over and over and over, becoming more and more like Jesus. It requires you to, to do something. 
But like justifying grace and abundant grace, it requires faith. And we'll talk more about that. So I'm going to go through a lot of scripture today. And the reason I'm going through a lot of scripture is because I don't want my opinion coming through. I don't want you to think this is my opinion. And if my opinion does come through, if it works for you, cool. If it doesn't, chuck it. Use your whole, like, the Holy Spirit's discernment, okay? But when it comes to the scripture, let the scripture speak to you. So let's read from Titus 2, 11 to 14. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession, who are zealous for good works. That's our key text for today, and we'll keep coming back to that. Now, Paul is writing this text to Titus. Titus is one of his disciples that he left in the, on the island of Crete. Crete is close to um, Greece and Turkey, somewhere around there. And he wrote this letter to help Titus because Titus was, fought, was facing a lot of challenges. There were false teachers on the island of Crete, and they were countering what it is that he was saying. And Paul needed to address guidelines on leadership as well. What does a godly leader look like? And he also had to address doctrinal issues. But aside from that, the lifestyle of the Cretans was an ungodly lifestyle. They were immoral people. They were people that loved pleasuring their flesh. They invented new ways to do sin, right? Sin was their lifestyle. And the problem with that is that that was creeping into the church. So even though they were believers in the church, they were still doing a lot of the things that the regular Cretans were also doing. They continued to live a sinful lifestyle. And after he's dealt with the doctrinal issues and the theology stuff and the the leadership issues, he changes gears. Paul changes gears and he says to Titus, he needs to address something. He needs to address the lifestyle of of the believers He needs to get the believers to understand that the way that they conduct themselves needs to line up with Jesus. And doesn't that sound a lot like us? Swap out Crete for Namibia. Namibia is a Christian nation, right? Namibia is a nation that says that they confess that Jesus is Lord and Savior. But does it line up with the Word of God? Does it line up with the commandments of Jesus himself? Does it line up with the lifestyle of Jesus? Are we not just after our own self-interest and gratifying our own flesh? So Paul then gives them a template and he says, look, here is how it is that you can counter the corrupt culture in your island and by your people. And he says that you have this grace of God. And this grace of God gives you salvation, and that brings you into right standing, and that is justification. You are made right, you are made pure, you are holy, you are blameless. You are in good standing with with God. Let's look at this particular verse in 
break it down. For the grace. What is that grace? Grace is God's unmerited favor. Of God has appeared. How did it appear? It appeared in the personification of God himself. It was Jesus that came down and dwelt among us. So the grace, the unmerited favor of God appeared in the form of Jesus Christ, bringing salvation to all people. And that means all people, guys. That means Jew, Greek, tall, fat, skinny, short, ugly, beautiful. I don't know where you classify yourself, but it's for everybody. But not everybody will be saved. Not everybody will be saved. This is Jesus himself saying this. Enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter it, enter by it, are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. I would put it to you that we are many here, right? But who are the few? Not all of us are going to see Jesus on that glorious day and be happy to see him. Jesus says that on that day, that glorious day, his glorious day, that he will say to some of us, who say, no, but we were in church, and we did this for you, Lord, and we did that for you. He'll say to you, get away, I don't know you. So you're thinking, but I'm sitting here, right? <laughs> I came. I even said amen to what you were saying just now, dude. Huh? I said amen. What's your problem? What's your beef with me? Huh? The amazing thing about God's amazing grace, right, is that there's a sanctifying grace as well. And that sanctifying grace is important for us to understand today because it's for our present reality. You've been saved. Now be sanctified. Work through that process. It is not easy. It will cost you. Titus 2, verse 12, it says, Training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly possessions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. When grace came down in the form of Jesus Christ himself, it didn't just leave when he left. It wasn't a one-time deal. He died, he gave us his grace, he didn't take it with him, he left it here. Because he understood that there is a present reality that we have to deal with, and he needs his grace to help us through that. And that is that sanctification. What are we doing in this present age? John 14, verse 18 to 21. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. This is Jesus. Yet a little while... And the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. Guys, I was just blown away by that. Like in worship, I was just worshiping there and I was like, because he lives, I too will live. 
In that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments keeps them. He it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father. And I will, live, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Okay, take out your cell phones. If you've got a cell phone, and it's got a front-facing camera, right, like this, put on selfie mode, please. Just quickly, before Pastor Chris comes and tackles me. Hurry, hurry, hurry. Please take out your phones. Take out your phones. Take it out. Please, take out your phones. Hey, you, don't you have a phone? Take out your phone. Take out your phone. Okay, now what I want you to do is, the person that's sitting next to you, take a selfie with him, and I'm going to take a selfie with you. Hey! Selfie! Come on! Sorry, guys, I've never done that before. And uh, it's been on my bucket list. And now I've got it out of my system. So hopefully Pastor Chris isn't in the second service because then he'll know what's coming and he'll tackle me, right? So I want you to put that picture up, please. So you can see how awesome it is. Oh, come on. Right? Hashtag what? Hashtag Jesus. (laughs) Hashtag sanctify. Hashtag better is one day. Huh? Come on, for those deep Christians, you know, those other ones that, that really get it, right? Hashtag E-N Dorado. Come on, Dorado. We rock. Where's my picture, man? Put it up, put it up, put it up. I want everybody to see how awesome it is. Huh? Hey? And your pictures? Were they any good? No? Yeah, pretty good, eh? Okay. I, I don't want you to now start posting on Instagram, guys. Okay, put it away, close your phone, lock it. You don't know what's coming next. You might regret that post. Huh? After I say what I need to say. Okay, while they're putting it up, right? I just want to say this to you. What is the point of a selfie? It's self. It's about me. Hey, who is the focus of that picture? Me. Look how good I look. Right? It's about me. Me, 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 me. Okay, now let's get back to the word. Um, let's go on to that scripture again, please. Okay, so what is the point of this verse? It's obvious. No, go back. Yeah, that, that one. Stay, stay there. What's the point of this verse? It's obvious, right? And he who loves me will be loved by my Father. And I will love him and manifest myself to him. The focus of that scripture is about me. No, it's not. Go on to the next slide. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. It's very easy to take the Word of God and to personalize it and talk about me, 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 me. I am loved. I am amazing. I am so beautiful. Thank you, Jesus. I am saved. Oh, 
how cool am I? Right? And then we gloss over that little bit over there in the middle. You know, like we kind of gray that part out and we amplify everything else. And it says there, whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. He it is who loves me. Look, selfies are fun, guys. I'm, I'm not going to say that selfies are, are from the devil, okay? I'm not going to say that. And selfies are a great advancement in technology, right? And it's useful. But selfies are the very embodiment of our culture. It's the perfect encapsulation of who it is that we have become as people. Narcissistic, self-centered, only thinking about me. How am I going to post this? What's my hashtag going to be? Like, oh my goodness, this is such a great angle. Look at my nose. Huh? Let's go on to the next grade. Second Timothy 3, verse 1 to 5. And this is Paul writing to his son, the one whom he really, really loves. And he says, but understand this, Timothy, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud. Think about Namibia. Think about yourself. Think about your house. Think about the people that are around you. Arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness, having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power, Avoid such people. And, and I sat there, guys, and I'm busy preparing this, right? And what do I do? Hmm? What do I do? I can honestly tell you what I did, guys. I sat there and I wept. I just, I broke down because I was like, Lord, this, this is me. This is me. Many of the times, this is me. How often do I think about my own self? How do I look? What are people going to think of me? What are people saying about me? What about my problems? What about my grievances? What about my, my lack? What about, look at my talents. Look at my, how humble I am. Look at how great I am. Lord, me, I'm so amazing. What is the focus of your prayers? Do you have an appearance of godliness? Do you have an appearance of godliness? But you deny where that power comes from. Where does that power come from to be godly? It is God's power, not your own. Your talents, your giftings, whatever it is that you've done for God is rubbish. It's rubbish. It's, it's rubbish. It means nothing. God doesn't need your good works. It means nothing to him. It is not what's going to get you into heaven one day. Jesus said that you have to obey his commandments. This is Jesus, Matthew 16, 24 to 27. <clears throat> and I mean, this is Jesus 
before he goes to the cross, right? Then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? What shall a man give in return for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels and the glory of his Father, and then he will repay each person according to what he has done. What is Jesus going to repay you with when he comes in his glory? We think it's going to be a great day, but for many, the Bible says, it will be a day of mourning, of regret. What have you done? What have you done? Hmm? What have you done to show that you take up your cross daily? Look, we all like free stuff, right? I like abundant grace. I like sanctifying. I like the justification. It's, it's awesome. Who, who doesn't want to just like grab onto that and feel like warm and fuzzy, right? Who doesn't want to just say, listen, Lord, you're so meek and mild and gentle. Thank you, lamb that was slain who offered himself up for me. You're so beautiful. Guys, the day of judgment will be a terrifying day for many. Jesus says, it'll cost you everything. Everything. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. It'll cost you everything. Have you laid down your life? Because if you do, then you will be saved, and then you will find your life. And that's a personal call. God is saying to you, Samuel, and to you, Mega, and Hilma, and Vincia, like, I'm calling you out. Help me. I want you to find your life in me. Lay down your life. Sanctification is becoming ever more like Jesus. Ever more like Jesus. And you say to me, yeah, but Malcolm, that's impossible. Jesus is perfect, right? And you're true. That's true. He is perfect. But the way that you find him is when you lay down your life daily. Pick up your cross. Count that cost and follow him. Training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. So the way that you do this, right, is by taking the focus off of yourself. Stop looking at yourself. Your pain is real. What it is that you've gone through in your life, that is real. I'm not minimizing that. 
But focusing on that, on the minutia of it, the, the injustice of it, where is that going to get you? Take that focus off of yourself, focus on Jesus, and then you can live a holy, blameless, upright life. The Holy Spirit is given to us to sanctify us. The Holy Spirit is there to remind you and to nod, nudge you and to press you and to mold you and to shape you into what it is that God wants for this present reality. He is the one that does the training for us in this present age. And what does he do? He helps us to say no. He helps us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions. Renounce means to break allegiance or loyalty. Break allegiance or loyalty. Romans 6, verse 16 is a hard verse. If you take everything that I've said into account, 6.16 is a very hard verse. And it says, whatever it is that you yield yourself to, that is the thing that becomes your master. If you yield, if you allow, if you align, if you are loyal to your sin, it will lead to your death. If you are loyal to God, if you are obedient, it will lead to righteousness. I want you to know that if you love your sin, question your salvation. I'll say that again. If you love your sin, question your salvation. Because the word is very clear on it. That if that is what it is that you are aligned to, you will go towards death. And that's not the sissy death that we're talking about on this earth. That's a death that is an eternal separation from God. That is death. That is what Jesus overcame. That is the death that he conquered. And that is what you need salvation from. And it means that we are not aligned to the culture of this world, to our own culture. It means that we are not aligned to the worldly standards of this world. It means that we are not aligned to immorality, to religiosity, to pride, to self-interest, to sexual immorality. We say no to all of this because we have the grace of God. We have the Holy Spirit working with us, who we have aligned ourselves with. We have aligned with the Holy Spirit, and because of that, we are sanctified. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is what redeems us from the power of sin. But now you're sitting there and you're like, but Malcolm, that's just a long laundry list of no, 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 no. Do not, do not, do not, do not, do not. Right? Okay, so let me ask you this. How far is your pride getting you? What is the evidence for the success of that? How does it feel to live in sexual immorality? Is it good? Show me the evidence of that. Show me the evidence that, what it is that whatever it is that you have aligned yourself with is bringing you success in this present age. Prove it to me. I dare you. Come. Do not believe the lies of the world and the lies of the enemy. There is no such thing as free love. Number two. 
say yes. We are new creations, guys. We are new creations. The old man is dead. All things are made new. You can live a self-controlled, upright, godly life in this present age. Read there. Verse 12. Live self-controlled, upright, godly lives. What is beautiful about that, right, like from an apologetics point of view, is it addresses morality, all of it. All of morality is encapsulated in that, in those few words there. Upright. Upright means to be integrous, to treat your fellow man as you want to be treated, right? To do good to others, to be truthful, to be fair. Upright. Self-controlled. That is yourself. That is your inner integrity. How do you treat your body? How do you treat your body? Are you addicted to substances? Are you in love with your own flesh more than you are with Jesus? Self-controlled and godly. Godly is that up and down. What is your relationship with, with God like? Because it all flows from Him. You cannot treat your fellow man the way that you want to be treated if you do not have this up and down. You cannot respect your body and love what it is that God has given you. A godly love. Not a self-centered love. A godly love. If you do not have that up and down relationship with God. C.S. Lewis made this beautiful analogy in his book, Mere Christianity. And it addresses those three things. And it's a question on morality. And he says, I want you to close your eyes. You don't have to. I'm reading from him now. But if you want to, you close your eyes. And he says, I want you to imagine that human beings are like a fleet of ships in formation. A successful voyage requires three things. The first, the ships must stay out of each other's way. That is upright, okay? They need to stay out of each other's way and they must not collide. Second, the individual ships must be seaworthy. Everything working in proper order. This is self-control. They need to be integrous. Third, the fleet of ships must be on its proper course. That is godly. God is the one who sets your course. If they mean to go to New York, but they end up in Calcutta, something has gone terribly wrong. And the last part of that verse is, of that scripture, our key text says, waiting for our blessed hope. The appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession, who are zealous for good works. It is Christ that lives in us and the Holy Spirit who helps sanctify us, that helps us to be zealous about good works. So our eternity is set. But what do we do in our present reality? What are we doing in our day-to-day? This is my last slide. I want to tell you a story about my, my daughter, Sophia. Right? So I was preparing in this week. She's four, four years old. And um, on, sun, on Friday morning, um, 
my wife is doing the crazy half a six in the morning school run, right? So she dropped Annabella off, and I'm alone at home with Sophia. It's half past six in the morning, and we're both done, so we can go. But I just thought, let me just spend some time with her, you know? And so I spent some time with her, and then I felt God telling me, like, spend some time with me as well. And so I spent some time with God, and Sophia was there with me. And she was looking at me a bit weird, like, but she did what, she, what I did, right? So I knelt down by the bed, and she knelt there for about two seconds, and I prayed, and then I grabbed her, and then I blessed her. She's looking at me like, okay, cool. And I'm praying in tongues, and she's like, okay. <laughs> you know? I'm blessing her, and I'm just spending time with her. And guys, that is, that is God's heart, right? That is God's heart. I want Sophia to grow up one day and be a beautiful, godly, upright, self-controlled woman. That is what I want for her. I want her to know her place in the world. I want her to be strong. I want her to say no when she needs to say no and say yes to God. And how do I get her there? I spend time with her. That's what I do. That's my job. And then I trust God that he will do his part. And he says he will. And so that's what I want for my daughter. I just spend time with her. Jesus says, my sheep know my voice. Do you know his voice? Do you think that Jesus did what he did, that he bridged the gap between heaven and earth, and that he stooped so low, so low, guys, he stooped so low so that you could be a good girl and a good boy. I don't want Sophia to fear me and then do stuff that's right. Like, I want her to do good because she loves me and she's like, I know this will please my dad. This is gonna, he's going to love this so much. I'm going to draw this beautiful picture which looks like scribbles and I have no idea what it is. But I'm going to give it to him and say, like, Dad... Look at this. This is amazing. Look what I did for you. And she does it because she loves me. That's why she does it. Not because she's scared that I'm going to lash out at her. I'm going to strike her. I'm going to smite her. Hmm? So Pastor Chris preached about how Moses went up the mountain. The Israelites were like, no ways. We're not going there. You go alone. This is too much for us. And so Moses goes up the mountain, he spends time with God, and he comes down. And when he comes down, his face is glowing. And his brother, Levi, is scared of him. He's scared to be in his presence. Why? Because God's holiness rubbed off on Moses. To the point that his own brother was like, dude, I can't stand it. Like, put something on. It's too much for me. Is God rubbing off on you? In James 4 verse 8 it says, Draw near to him and he will draw near to you. Are you drawing near to God? He's done everything for you. Everything. There is nothing more that he needs to do. Nothing. He has done everything. Are you drawing near to him? 
And when you draw near to him, then you'll understand his greatness. You'll understand his goodness. You'll understand and you'll appreciate the verse that says that you need to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Because he is a holy God. And he has wrath. And that wrath is meant for those who are aligned to sin. And he will mete it out because he is a just God. And then when you understand that, you can come to him one day in heaven. You can kneel before him and he can put his hand on you and say, well done, good and faithful servant. Come and enjoy your father's presence. Come and spend one-on-one time with me. And with that, I'd like to end and I'd like you to stand up. And this is not a call to be a good girl or a good boy. That is not what the point of this message is about. The point of this message is that God has done everything that he needs to do. What are you doing with that? What are you doing with that? I said to you guys, I was preparing and I wept before God because I was like, Lord, I'm falling short. I don't spend enough time with you. I don't just sit there with you and I don't do it enough, Lord. And so I want us to repent, every single one of us. I want you to repent of where it is that you have aligned with sin. I want you to repent of not seeking his face first seeking his hand and always asking him, Lord, me, 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 my needs, my grief, my pain, my sorrow. Lord, why? Why do you do this to me? Take the focus off of yourself. Spend time with him and you will be ever more like Jesus. So I just want us to repent. Lord, we we repent today. And Lord, we say that we are sorry for those times that we do not seek you first, Lord God. We are sorry for those times, Lord, that we don't run after you, Lord God. We are expecting you to do all the running, Lord God. All the chasing, all the pursuing, and all the, the coming after me. Lord, we repent. And we say, Lord, that we will pursue you. We will draw near to you. Lord God, because you have done it all, Lord. You have done everything that needs to be done, Lord Jesus. Everything. And Lord, we bow our knee and we bow to you and we say, to you be the glory, to you be the honor forever, Lord God. And Lord, our repentance means nothing 
if there's no change in our behavior. And Lord, I pray that we would change, Lord God, that we would change, Lord, because we love you and because we know, Lord God, that it pleases you. Lord, your word says that you want us to please you. Let us move into action, Lord God, because of our love for you, Lord God. Not because of what we're going to get in return, Lord. Lord, I pray that this would be a holy moment, Lord God. And I pray that this church would move, Lord God, ever closer towards you, Lord God. Because you are standing there waiting for us, arms wide open, Lord God. And I thank you for this in Jesus' name. Lord, I just want to bless this church. Lord, I bless their going out and their coming in. Lord, I pray that every place that they walk into this week, Lord God, that the atmosphere will be transformed, Lord God. That they will be your light bearers, Lord. That they will bring the hope of your glory, Lord God, into every place that they walk into. In their homes, in their marriages, in their friendships, in their relationships, Lord God, with their bosses and their employees and their colleagues, Lord. Lord God, that your glory will shine forth, Lord God, because of the light that we carry in us, Lord. Thank you for this people, Lord God. And thank you, Lord, that we bow our knee to you. And I thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit envintook.org.